Hey, this is Howard Phillips, and you're listening to Video Game Bullshit. From downtown Milwaukee, this is Tim Kitra from NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, and Mutant Football League saying, you're watching Video Game Bullshit. <laughs> Kaboom! This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got God. Hey, I'm big into uh, No Death Runs, High Score Runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. So we're VGBS over here, Jeff and Kyle, and we run a crazy podcast that we've been going for how many years now? Five? Yeah, about that. Yeah, we just finished up season four, episode 100, with our interview with the Angry Video Game Nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, the first episode was Has the Angry Video Game Nerd Jumped the Shark? So it's kind of a coming full circle, complete package. Yeah, perfect. So definitely a classic. Um, and then, so Kyle is the crazy man of the <laughs> of the podcast. I'm a published author. I have 12 books now published. We're in a publishing company, publishing lots of other people as well. Uh, just had the Virtual Boy book uh, online that went freaking crazy. So that was that was a bit insane. Oh yeah. Um, I backed it at the last like. He was the last backer. Like it was hilarious. Window. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> that was a fast one. And of course, we're both obsessed with video games. Yep. Um, we also have for the Switch collecting aspect that we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Got two other special guests with DJ and JP. I'll let them tell you about what they do. JP. Okay. So I'm JP from JP Switch Mania. I run a website and social media channel. I'm a crazy collector. I collect everything that's. Uh, English language supported across all regions, so I currently have about 550 physical Switch titles. There's really not that many, but there's collector editions, variants, misprints, second printings, whatnot. So uh, my site um, lets people know about what's coming out each week, uh, about new pre-orders. I do interviews with people in the industry, reviews, and then I also write for a print magazine called Switch Player Magazine, where I conduct interviews for them, and then I have a, like a collector corner segment where I talk about one new collector item each month. But I, I love the Switch. I'm Sarumaru. I'm a very small-time YouTuber, but I'm also a content creator. Like, um, I created a video game called FX Unit Yuki, which uh, a couple of you are familiar with. Um, and I love my Switch import games, so I'm here to talk about Switch import games and playing Japanese games on the Switch. Yeah. And so these kind gentlemen invited me. Yeah. And Saru also did some artwork for Sydney Hunter. I did. Which is coming out digitally on the Switch pretty soon. He did, what, the boss Yeah, I did um, a bunch of, like, NPC characters and, like, the last boss and a bunch of the character portraits. Just, like, random odds and ends that they were missing and they needed before the game's release. And so that's the interesting part with the Switch is it goes really deep with because of the support for the indie developers. And so the indie developers reached out, and they have actual people that are making aftermarket content. And okay. I mean, because they're all part of this community, this whole convention scene. Like we all get to know each other, and it just kind of blossoms and blooms. And mm-hmm. now all of that's coming out physically, which is why we're coming full circle to talk about right. collecting. That's why I think a lot of us are at this convention exactly. too. Exactly, we love the physical, love the physical aspect. Yeah, so Switch so is doing a good job. Oh yeah, putting a lot of physical yeah. on card, especially in Asia. That's another thing too. Is I. I buy a lot of uh, Japanese games, yeah. and they, they get physicals when we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah. that's what exactly. So most recent is Final Fantasy 10, 10 2 HD. The US, UK, 
gets Start at the 10 base on line. physical cartridge and 10 to as a download code. Asia gets the complete thing on one mm-hmm. cartridge. Yeah. And so, uh, Square so let's start at the baseline so we can we can go from there. So the baseline with the Nintendo Switch, right? So Nintendo went away from disc-based media again, like the majority of gaming, and they went toward these little cartridges, right? So you got the little SD card-sized carts, but we got physical carts again. And what it's allowing gamers to do and is to recreate that nostalgia that we have with NES, Super Nintendo collecting, that we've been missing out with. And, like, even... Some of these publishers are putting out crazy creative releases where they have like a Nintendo sized manual inside the box, and like it's just super cool. Mm-hmm. And because of the internet, because of how small things are, and because the Switch is region free, it's region unlocked, you can play any region. Beautiful. All of these developers are releasing games, and then like in Japan, they're natively supporting English. So then you go on PlayAsia's website, which is a huge advocate of, you know, all of this aspect. You can pre-order. They have their own limited versions now and things, too. And you can literally get things out of every region. And that's half of, like, JP's insanity is he's collecting every game, every region, every variant. That's hardcore. And he's the first one to find out about it. So he's the guy that all the news media is referencing when they post their news about a new game coming out is, is JP. It's the insanity. So that's where things are getting crazy, though, is that you could literally have a complete collection worldwide now. And it's not just limited to what's here in our region, our country. So that's where the rabbit hole goes really deep. And you're going to see, like, even at conventions like this, where there's sellers that have Famicom, Super Famicom, stuff like that. And, like, in my books, I have to literally focus and go, all right, so we got to play these. And then those that are heavy on you know Japanese I'm not going to include in my book cuz I can't understand them and enjoy yeah. them unless it's like a you don't need to know a lot and you can still enjoy it, like a platform or an action game or something that requires hunting and research yeah and testing and so that's a really cool part of those books well with the switch it's going to be a deep rabbit hole where you just include that in the actual park. So, so part of it is we're going to talk about our, the upcoming um, Switch Collector book too. And JP and I are, are working on. It. He's writing the collector's aspect since he has everything. <laughs> and and we're going to uh, he's going to write like a little JP Switch Mania collector's tidbits on certain games. But like literally, like I Am Setsuna, which was out release, is also just going to be right in with the game. It's not going to be its own section. It's like it's just. These ones were in PAL, and I'm going to put a little flag to annotate that it was from Japan or from Europe, or there's a couple of Australia releases and stuff, too, that are that are coming down the pipeline. That's actually a good example of a game that came physical from digital and is only available in Japan. And it was, the, I think, the first one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, was, was that the first, first one of the launch titles? I Am Setsuna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where it was crazy. And then where the variant collectors come in, too, is that I Am Setsuna, the very first version that I have, has just kanji on it. And then there's another release where it's in English on the cover. Oh. So it's like, do you want the English cover or do you want the Japanese cover? Both. And it's both. both. Yeah. JP says both. Here we go. Both. I personally would like to have, you know, the actual English side on it. But now that I already have the Japanese version because I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like that that's going to be annotated, too. And uh, creating some of the history behind the stuff is interesting, too. Because, like, there's no one source for all this stuff. Like, JP's working pretty diligently on his site to make sure it's all-encompassing and covers a lot of it. But there's still still a lot of variants out there and craziness. Like, for example, this weekend, I'm like, so, JP, we're bringing switches. What, um, and I posted this to an entire forum of, of hardcore collectors. What games on the Switch right now can you play multiplayer with two consoles? It was crickets. Because at least Dragon Marked for Death that came out is a limited game. Not limited, but it's Indie Crates. It just came out physically. That one you definitely can. But, like, what are the ones? So it's like, can you do that on Super Mario U? And I don't think you can. So, like, that kind of stuff needs to be documented. Because it would be a cool thing when you come to a convention to know which games to bring. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I need to bring Smash Brothers because you can play two, two consoles. But can you? We have to try it. Like, that's the things that are cool. And... Being able to actually put all your cartridges and bring them along with you and play it on the fly, I think it's part of the allure of the Switch. What do y'all think? I agree with you. I, I, mean, I keep one, them in their case because yeah. I lose everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I don't put it back in its case, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. I bring a case with nine games in it. Nine different games that I 
probably could only play at home at one point on another console that now I could bring with us. Yeah. And I mean, that's also an appeal to the Switch. I mean, they did something smart. They took something that is on the go, but easily docked on TV. And the graphics, mm-hmm. to me, don't matter as much. I just want to be able to play the games wherever I go. That's their tagline, right? Wherever, whenever, yeah. I mean, whoever. the graphics are good enough yeah, they are for good. What, what they're doing. You know, just like a lot of hardcore gamers expect, you know, mm-hmm. 60 frames per second all the time mm-hmm. at the highest resolution. And I don't think the Switch is really about that. I think it's really just about the games that are fun to play. I think yeah, that's just Nintendo's thing. A right? lot of harkens back to the old school, like the Toe Jam and Earl and the um, Link's Awakening, mm-hmm. where they keep the what made the original game great, and they're not trying to change too much with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then it's just added, you know, better graphics and a whole different experience, but the same experience. That's what I always loved. And with the first Zelda, I always wanted them to like redo that. With just different graphics, like just play it through and just feel a little different, slightly different experience. So we're definitely getting that with Link's Awakening. Yeah, that's coming out. And Toe Jam and Earl. And Wonder Boy and Dragon's Trap. Wonder Boy and Dragon's Trap is literally a skin over it. (laughs) Monster Boy. The new Monster Boy is a completely like redone, brand new game in the franchise. It's like a. A uh, whole new game. You're, Dragon's Trap. You're right about that. They, they Dragon's Trap's a one to one. They uh-huh, like drew yeah, over it. You can literally it. hit a button and toggle the original graphics yeah. and then the actual hand painted graphics, and it's super cool. And I, I would say like we can't understate the indie support because the indie support. A lot of us that actually have the programming know how and get games out there want to make retro style games, and so the indie game store is like crazy to the point like. It's retro gaming again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's literally people making stuff based on what we enjoyed playing back in the day. And it goes on and on forever to the point where the eShop now the, is completely filled with games. It's hard to get through it. And so the interesting part where the physical collecting comes into play is that you have all of these limited-run companies, and there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about that. Um, there's a lot of companies out there, like too many on, <laughs> at this point, but like for a completionist collector, I feel for you because there's no way. I, I collect what I enjoy, so I'm not collecting everything that I need. I'm collecting everything that I know in the genres that I enjoy playing, that I have time for, that I'm going to play. Um, so, for example, Dragon Mark for Death that I mentioned is like a, a side-scrolling action game. You get to do some leveling up in there, and you do massive boss fights, and it's super fun. That's an old-school retro game. Any crates, the guys that are creating that, also worked on a bunch of other games yep. like Mighty Gunvolt, Gumbold. like yep. Gunvolt, mm-hmm. and they're all harking back to retro-style gaming. It's same thing with you know Shovel Knight and things like that too, which that is getting a physical release. Like, they're giving the fans what they want. It, it feels like, yeah, you know. And I think it has to do with also as Nintendo kind of brought back and like peeled back their their like limitations that they've had in previous consoles and have allowed more developers to get in there and release things. Mm-hmm. And it's opened up a can of worms though because these limited companies, mm-hmm. so like limited run games for example, completely established. Every time they put it put out a game, I'm like. Unless it's something that I really, really wouldn't enjoy. Like, I'm getting it because I'm like, oh, this is another freaking awesome game. And But then you have the all these other companies, and some, unproven, yep. have taken pre-orders and haven't shipped them out. And we don't know Ooh. if they're going to ship them out. And more coming out. Well, you said yep. one was announced yesterday? Yep, just yesterday. Like, another company. How many is that? 13, 14 companies now that yeah, are doing limited prints? I can think of, like, five. Yeah. Okay, so... Like- Let's limited go, run, JP. Limited right. run games, limited super run. rare games, special reserve games, strictly limited games. You have East Asia Soft's well, uh, from Play Asia's own uh, line. Yep. You have Red Art Games. You now have Warren Collectors, which is the one you Warren mentioned. Collectors. Where they already have three games for pre-order, haven't shipped any, are poorly responsive on social media. They haven't even shown what the case looks like, just the cover art. <laughs> um, now you have one called First Press Printing, which apparently they're bringing a Game Boy, Game Boy Color game to Kickstarter. And then all of a sudden, I know they're like, oh, we're going to do PS4 and Switch now. And yeah. in two weeks, you'll know about us. And they just come out of nowhere. So that's eight. There's eight. And there's probably, I said Red Art, there's probably a few more that um, have talked about. Um, there's one called Hidden Gem, Ga- Hidden Gem Games. Yep. Doesn't even have a logo yet. Doesn't have a website yet. <laughs> we can already sign up for their newsletter. And they're claiming that they're going to do Switch as well. And, I mean, it's, it's amazing because, you know, I talked to Limited Run Games. I talked to Super Games. And these companies are just coming out of nowhere now. And it's just how... 
I don't know if they know how much it is to invest to make a physical game or they're trying to jump on the bandwagon, but, yeah. you know, there's this bubble that's... that's so we talk in retro gaming about the collecting bubble yeah. about to burst. So when is the actual support for all of this stuff going to burst to the point where they slow down companies? Because literally it's just people passionate about the Switch coming out and go, oh, I could do this release. Mm-hmm. I could release this. but And people are supporting it right now where these companies are able to establish themselves. So right now, if you wanted to go out and do a Switch release, you absolutely could take it to Kickstarter, and it likely would be funded because of the rabid fan base. Yep. And that's what's happening. But those... Those that have three pre-orders and haven't put it out yet, they're like, oh, well, I don't know how to do this aspect, so now it's going to take them 20 times longer than Limited Run that already has Mm -hmm. everything figured out. So I think the reason why so many of these games are coming out for the Switch is because there's tools like Unity mm-hmm. that make it easy to export to oh, the Switch. For the games. There's, there's tools like GameMaker. GameMaker is completely intuitive where mm-hmm. most people can just put a game together with drop and draw, drap, draw drag and drop elements with this tool that you can buy. It's like $1,000 for a Switch license. Yeah. And you can start putting your game together. Yep. You could export it to the Switch. Bam, you've got a Switch game. Now you just need somebody to publish it. Mm-hmm. I think, what is the minimum, like 10,000 10, cards that you have to make or something like that? Physical? Yeah. Well, in the UK, I think it's the 3,000 minimum Oh, 3,000. Okay. Um, 3,000 cards. Was 5, that's what the Vita was, was 3,000. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's three to 5,000. That's a lot of money, though, because yeah. I think, sure. you know, each that's a lot of startup costs, depending cost. on how big you want to get your card, because they, they come in... What is it like? Sixteen gigabyte or eight gigabyte variant? Sixteen gigabyte variant, like like an SD card, basically. Yeah. So the bigger the card okay. that you manufacture, the more expensive. And I guess like the smaller cards are like twelve dollars a card or something to manufacture. Uh, that's going to add up if you've got five thousand of those to make. And that's Jeez. just the card, yeah. not the actual production pieces. And yep, and the one thing the that we're not sure on is this Nintendo providing all this stuff. They do. So, like, well, they can. I mean, I think Nintendo puts it all together, but they charge you. Yeah. So they, they so, charge yeah. an upkeep on it too. So for what I've heard on podcasts and other things like because there's a Switch uh, podcast they were saying it's like almost $100,000 to do a, a one That's Switch release sounds something like, like a that small run, yeah. Yeah. a small, small run it's like, it's like 100 grand average of 100 grand yeah. so like so one thing I want to talk about Kickstarters I've, I do my books through crowdfunding right so think about these games that are coming out that are indie games like oh we'll do a Switch port and they made 20, 30 grand they made a lot of money but What's it cost to release a game on the a Switch lot. physically? Yeah. $100,000. They yeah. didn't even make a quarter of that, and they still got to do their other versions, their other ports, and probably paid artists and programmers Which and is musicians. Which my game is not seeing a Switch release anytime soon, because we don't have the money to do it. Well, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that and, nuts. And, but that's the thing, though. So imagine, like, a lot of those Switch games that are coming out physically, or that they plan to do from a Kickstarter, those aren't coming out unless they raise some serious funds or get in line with a limited run games company and I think that is going to be the utility of some of these ones once they release games like so Super Rare has a great track record of releasing them but I don't buy every game because some of them aren't in a genre that I enjoy personally Mm -hmm. but every time I've gotten stuff from them it's been quality but now the problem is they're becoming like limited run where their games instead of taking weeks to sell out or even days it's now hours yeah, it was like weeks for game yeah. for games to sell out on Human Super Fall Rare. Flat, Shelter Generation came out. Even uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time took a while. Yeah. Now their most recent ones, which was Fair Rune, which is four RPGs in one. Yeah, like Fair Rune. I, I definitely got that one. Now sell out in two, three, four hours, and they've already on the aftermarket go for two, three hundred dollars. Jeez. I mean, yeah. it's, it's insane. Lord. And that, who knows if that price point's going to oh, continue right. to skyrocket like that, Damn. but that's the thing. Yeah, that's, th- that's how much in, de- in demand it still is. There's right. no The bubble's swelling, but there's nowhere near time to it burst yet. Like it's it, not no. going to burst yet. The demand's still there. And But I think, though, like by supporting some of these developers, it's going to be a huge boon for them, too, because mm-hmm. then they're going to be able to get their games out there. Um, and like Super Rare has the games in hand before yeah. they, they put a, them up, so then yeah, I get it with that same week. That's awesome. Limited run, it's three months, four months sometimes, mm-hmm. and I know that going in, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm I'm supporting like a it's like you're supporting a Kickstarter, yeah, and it takes like how how long did it take you a year or two? From start to finish? Or no, from just, the just to release the game part. It took about a year. That is very fast. Saru's yeah. Kickstarter was awesome. It was super mm-hmm. fast. Um, my first NES book, I had Black Box Challenge, the RPG where you collect you know, v- Nintendo games in it. And that took two years 
to, to come out. So, I mean, it's just a, and that was fast, according to most people. Like, so it's, yeah. it's one of those things where the games take a while to come out, so I'm used to it. And that's how I see Limited Run, whereas others see it as I'm buying a game, I want it shipped tomorrow. Yeah. And, and you know you're going to get, a, lot get of flag. a Limited Run, you yeah. know? Like, you, yeah. you pay the, you yeah. know you're going to get it. You know they're going to deliver. Yeah. So, so, so okay my, my <laughs> prediction and my analysis with some of these newer companies is that they're doing the Limited Run games thing, and maybe even more so, they're just doing a pre-order till they hit the minimum amount mm-hmm. they need to produce it, and then they're doing the production mm-hmm. side. So they're going to take instead of three months, which limited runs already has the moving pieces. You have was it warned, warned, warned collectors that they probably got the money for the pre-order, and now they got to do all the production side. And it's going to take six months. It might take longer. Yeah. And they put their estimate. We're not well, holding out for April twenty fourth to begin. Well, shipping. yeah, you put they put April twenty fourth on one of them to begin shipping, and it's like. I doubt that's even going to be close. Yeah. And I mean, I've missed deadlines with my books just from simple shipping taking longer than expected. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Imagine yeah. just production on top of it, like, yep. and you don't know because you've not released a game yet. Like, <laughs> good luck. Learning process. Good luck, guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude, so, was... so we're talking a lot about the production, but what about the collecting aspects? We got to go back to collecting. Mm-hmm. I yeah, love maybe. the collecting spot. So the thing is, is that one thing that I've seen. Like, there's a whole Nintendo aftermarket. I just mentioned Black Box Challenge, right? So one thing that I've seen is, like, things have been popping up in the Switch collector, especially on the limited side, that have mirrored what's going on in the NES aftermarket. So, like, in the NES aftermarket, you'll have guys that will, like, release a game and, oh, this is limited to 20 copies, and then all the production team get a copy, too. So then there's, like, 26 copies or 30 copies. I've noticed that happening with some of the limited stuff, but I've also noticed different variants, especially for completionists. It probably drives him nuts. He probably doesn't sleep at night because of it. But like, <laughs> imagine like super rare games or worn collectors. And they, one of your posts really early I, this I morning. Sleep. I was like, he doesn't sleep. sleep at like four in the morning. It's like seven a.m. I'm like. Um, imagine those companies doing the own variant for their own employees on some games. So say they do, oh, yep, here's going to be the employee version of the game, and then it's simply just a different label or something, or a different label and a different insert. Yeah. But imagine them doing that and how deep that rabbit hole would go for collectors. If you're going for a complete collection and you want variants, that would be a deep rabbit hole. And I know there's at least one from Limited Run that did it. I know that there's at least one from Super Rare Games that did it. Um, there's some craziness out there. and even, you, even retail releases. You look at uh, Nicholas, right? They do Binding of Isaac, Blade Strangers. Blade Strangers had three variant covers. None of them were rare. They just had three different mm-hmm. characters on the front. But yeah, Binding of Isaac, all the first printings have manuals and goodies. Then they release uh, printing. Sometimes same cover, just nothing inside. But then Cave Story got a second printing of the Japanese cover in English, officially released in the U.S. But they don't make announcements on these. They just kind of come out. Even yeah. Rocket League. Wow. So Rocket League has Ultimate Edition, Collector's Edition. Collector Edition has like an emboss-like groove kind of cover, yep. shiny. Cool. And then just randomly they release the exact same cover, just flat, just standard printing. But how do you know all this? I mean, it's just by accident. Sometimes you go into a store and go like, this looks a little different. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's... And they do it, it because people like you who buy those variants, <laughs> you know, Double they got it. your money. Triple and you got to think, find, too, like, it. it's probably cheaper for them not to do the embossing right. second print yeah. run, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you have the error variants that also come out, and then, like, yes. with Galgun 2, where yes. you can mail away if you, yeah. or if you post on their site or something, there's, like, a little list, and they mail you the corrected copy. Right. So, so, so the only way you know about oh, that is if you yeah. mail it to them and you catch that post, and then you right. send them... Send the mail. That's another. Yeah. So what happened with Gale Guns too is on the inside, the inner artwork was Wild Guns. We don't even know how. There's two different studios, but that artwork got on it. So what happened was on social media and their webs and Twitter or Facebook and Twitter, they had just a little form to fill out saying if you got it, just fill out your name and address, and we'll mail you the corrected one. And then that stopped. So now, if you want that real cover, you need to get it because the game's not really printing anymore. So yeah. And so, so think about the interesting thing. So um, they didn't require proof of purchase or anything just to mail it out. So, and even like, Darksiders now? So like I just I filled it out, and when I, when I did a replacement copy, like they sent me a copy of the, the little cover. Just the, just the just cover. Just the cover. Yeah, just the cover. Oh, okay. But they imagine how much shipping that cost that company, though, just yeah, to do that one variant. Yeah, a big mistake. That's a huge mistake right yeah, there. Yeah. It's craziness. How about Darksiders? Darksiders, yep. Without the red ink on the, so- on the spine or even <laughs> in the logo, it was Oof. black. And everybody was thinking, oh, this must be a marketing ploy, Darksiders it's Dark, and right. the black cover, like the Labos. 
But if you look at it, the yep. back artwork bleeds a little bit onto the spine, like the bottom half. <laughs> I mean, it was a mistake. And they said they had a printing error with like the red ink and all these copies went out. So now you wonder, okay, are they gonna reprint it? Are they gonna do a mail away? Is this gonna be rare? Is the second printing gonna be rare? I mean, now it's just, now people are scrambling to find it. It's like, everyone's talking about it. And now I kind of wonder if they're doing that kind of thing on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. now it's super bad. rare because they screwed it, up yeah. the cover. So, so my analysis for that is Darksiders, probably completely unintentional. The next one that happens, definitely not intentional. Like whoever the next person that has the print run error will not be unintentional. Uh, there was the one, um, Saints Row 3, that was just randomly he stumbled upon. It's already out of its pre-order window for the limited edition, and it has purple on the spine. Yeah. So that was on purpose. That had to have been yeah, on yeah. purpose. The purple on the spine. But like... Does that bother you at all? I know I don't think. Does it bother you all that it doesn't have red on the on the spine? No, it doesn't all have to line up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which one? Saints Row. Yeah. Next month. Yeah. So (laughs) no. So in the U.S. it's regular red spine. In the U.K. or the EU region, they're gonna have a collector's edition with a purple variant cover that will be included in a collector's edition. Except the site goes up with this information today or yesterday, and it says as of April 11th, it's not guaranteed you'll get the collector's edition anymore. It's like, okay, it was like up so now, today. now it's going to be hard to get. <laughs> it's up today and as of April 11, two days ago. Yeah, not guaranteed. Yeah. It shows me that they have a lot of retailers that they're probably yeah. going to make sure get a copy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you talk about these, these very limited. There's, okay, so there's a French company called yeah. um, Picks and Love. And they did Travis uh, Strikes Back Travis and Strikes No More Back. Heroes. And they did um, one other title. And they do a collector edition. They take the regular UK case, but they have an art book. They have stickers. They have lithographs. Nice. And they do a small run. Then there's another publishing company called Omaki Books. And they're a French publisher who does French books of video games and anime and stuff. But now they're doing a line of limited editions. And they did a Mortal Kombat 11 collector edition in France. And they limited it to 200 copies. This was April 1st. I remember this. Everyone thought this was a joke. It goes up on Twitter. They're like, we have 200 copies available for pre-order. And it comes with a History of Mortal Kombat art uh, book with um, concept art, uh, interviews and stuff, all in French, but with a special box, 200 only. And now it's sold out. And they don't advertise this. I mean, if you're a true collector looking for everything, you have to know everything all Super over the world now complex yeah, yeah almost near impossible <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah so sorry what is the coolest japanese exclusive you've seen so far for collector's item Oof. too many there is there's so, so many out there that's where it's like because <laughs> it i know is, i know yeah. recently because they have the psycho collection right that's and i was just and, and volume three allows you to put the other two volumes in the box yeah. mm-hmm. and then you have that crazy mouse pad that i don't even have a mouse but it's be, got like it's like the very it's like the, the squeezies the on squeezies. it that you use for your hand yeah. like, it's like really <laughs> like, <laughs> like in japan for some reason that's just oh there's a lot of those they like mouse editions. pads and even the u.s the disgaea one collector edition we got a mouse edition. pad and then also the dead or alive extreme three scarlet in japan got a mouse pad with uh well Big boobs right on the mouse pad. <laughs> That's a pervert edition. Yeah. Like, very weird. That's the Psycho mouse pad, too. It's got Stuff that I can't have around my daughter is yep. what you're saying. Like, I'm, not, I'm not bringing that to work. Yeah, I like, can't leave it laying around the house. Like, think, yeah. um, going back to your question, yes. one of the coolest uh, collections is the Capcom beat up collection. The Japanese yes. version Ooh. is amazing. It comes with like a book and a whole set of soundtracks for like five all CDs. the games. That it comes, yeah, yeah. Five CDs. All those soundtracks. Man. Yeah, it's so And awesome. you did an unboxing on that. I did. On, on Retro G-Pong. I did on my YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Sarumaru. Check it out. Yeah, Shameless says, plug. Ruin, his shirt says ruin your Tokyo, yeah. and it's him dressed like as Godzilla on the shirt. <laughs> ruin your Tokyo. It's a, it's a meme on the channel. It's classics. But yeah, we're going to be doing a live stream tonight, so if you see us in the hallway, we'll probably be live streaming. You can come hang out and like do some shots. Yeah, it'll be late at 10 like, o'clock. It'll be, it'll yeah, be crazy. It's going to be, be wild. Semi-drunken live stream. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be doing some fun with that. But um, yeah, so the, I, I do like all the different collectors of the yeah. Capcom one was interesting because I didn't even wasn't even tracking that they're going to do something that mm-hmm. expansive, and then it's called a different name. So if you don't know, Belt like action. the first one's the ca- oh, Capcom right. Beat 'em Up what in was the it? U.S. Yeah. 
Capcom oh, beat them up collection. Yeah, collection. yeah. Let's say the belt action and belt Japan. action belt is what it's action. called. Now, are there any differences in the game no. itself? The games were the same. Uh, well, the titles. I, yeah. I think they re- they kept the original Japanese name on two of the games, but the gameplay and everything is exactly the same. Yeah, okay. yeah. But so but if you switch the region, though. it'll it'll just change right. the title. So yeah. if you yeah. change it to English, it'll have the U.S. region titles. If you change it to Japanese, oh, it'll have the Japanese I see. Names. That's oh, super cool. That is another really cool collector's edition that came out in Japan is the Mega Man Eleven or the Rock Man Eleven. Yes. yes, Rockman Eleven that collection. That so much swag. And one of the things that I really liked about the Japanese version of that is the Mega Man Amiibo mm-hmm. came completely printed. Yep. The version we got was just a came white back a white card, box. and like, that was a GameStop exclusive yep. in the U.S. Oh, jeez, white back card. Yeah, like nothing. So we, huh. if you take the Mega Man Amiibo out of the box, it's just white. white yeah. Right, yeah, like no printing. No, yeah, classic Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was a really cool one too. It was. Yeah, it like a lot of cool stuff in it. There's a lot of stuff. So I exclusively, the one that I'm collecting everything for is the uh, Play Asia exclusives, which we just got. Was it Fairfuny? Hmm? Is it Rev- Reverie? Reverie. Reverie. That was Reverie. Fairfuny was a super rare one. That's right. Yeah. So we got it was Reverie. Is the sweet. As yeah, collection came with a yo-yo <laughs> soundtrack CD, a map. Yeah, so I literally got the little box. I didn't know what it was. It doesn't fit in the collector's thing. I opened it up and I'm like, oh, it's a yo-yo. So that game looks like a throwback to like Earthbound and mm-hmm. Star Tropics, which is like super cool. And I-, I want more of those. Yeah, those are nice. So Play Asia is pretty much releasing a limited variant of pretty much every Switch game, and they're right? super like, affordable. Shikondo's yeah. got one with. CD and like all the extra Yeah, what's good stuff. about theirs is, you know, the regulars are typically 30 35 and for $10 more, you they have a limited. And it's, you know, standardized box. It's normally a, a music CD. Sometimes it's a steel book. It's the game. I mean, you get the map or you get yeah. some other kind of bonus. And, you know, it's, they're, they're a good company. I mean, and I do like that all fast. the boxes are completely standardized. They're all the yeah. same size. They're all got one, two, three, four. There's not a million of them. Yep. So it's palatable and I can display it on my shelf, like facing forward. It looks cool. Um, another piece of collecting, too. So you were talking about you put like nine in a case, or mm-hmm. um, I take all my games out of the case, but I have this thing that just says video games on it and it looks like Atari logo. And you open it up and it's literally like printed off and you can fit each cartridge in it and you can put about 50 of them in it. And then, so with the Kickstarter book, every time I do a campaign, I do some cool stuff with it. And so I've done like, uh, like I'll do like a wooden book cover that has a living hinge, which I have my hidden gaming's gems. I have one of the last two downstairs, like with, or right over there on my table with the books. I have like one of the last ones there. The Virtual Boy book that I'm doing is going to have a red one. I'm going to actually stain it red, like by hand and everything. And I'm going to (laughs) do black art on it for it to make a Virtual Boy. But the switch, but so on that, I'm also going to do a little treasure chest. I'm going to stain it black. I'm going to get some Switch logos on it and put some felt inside. So that way, all my excess, and it's like a little guy, I open it up, and I put all my carts in there. That's where I put all the extra carts, and then I can go through like a little treasure chest and pull out my game. And it's like a double display because you have the boxes still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that fits like right in front of it, black as Nintendo Switch on so it. It's super win. cool. How yeah. do, we, how how do, how do we get it? How do we get it? How do we get it? So <laughs> it's going to be on the campaign. And I'm literally going to I'm literally going to make as many as people back. I'll probably keep it open afterward and as long as I can continue to make them. Because <laughs> like that's what I like doing, though, is because I... I work on and make a lot of the, the wood working pieces myself or if I can find them at like a Hobby Lobby but then I'll sit there and varnish and stain and do all that myself. Better hope you don't get a thousand. If I get a thousand, <laughs> I'll, I'll put in the work. It's fun. This is a hobby. This is the fun, best part. Like, you won't leave the house? No, I'll never leave month? the house ever again. <laughs> Varnishing the boxes. Well, I made the mistake with my uh, Super Nintendo paperbacks. So, like, I'm, I'm shipping those out manually so I'll, I'll do some manual stuff when it comes to that and it's it's super fun to do. Like the Virtual Boy cover, though, I limited it to 30. So I can always limit it to, um, but I want people to be able to get that because I think that would be super cool and just neat to have the collector piece. And I, I literally use mine, like, all the time because the, the video games one only holds so many. I think it's, like, 50 maybe, like 25 and 25 or something like that. So I put my top 50, and I try to do some kind of logical order, and then I get new games, and I don't want to ship them all, so it's all massive cluster now um but then all the rest go in the box and so it's it's just a super cool way to just sort your collection outside the sorting of your collection (laughs) (laughs) so quick question yeah 
How did you guys, were you guys on board when the Switch was announced where you guys were like, yeah, I'm going to get that shit? I mean, Kyle. <laughs> I was actually, I'm, I'm still Kyle's, way in the old school. Kyle's an old, old uh, antiquated collector. He yeah. is, he'll adopt it eventually, but like, you just got a Wii, right? <laughs> well, I, I had that a while ago. PS3, but my... Just but, got a PS3. But my buddy gave it to me, so I wouldn't... Yeah, exactly. Like, wouldn't have got it unless I'm, he got it. I'm like, more like, you know, NES, Master System, SNES, and back. Mm-hmm. But that's what's cool, too, with the region free. Yeah. Because even with Master System, you know how you had Europe... But then Japan had Sega Mark III, but in this one, they're all compatible. They're all the same and compatible. You don't have to do anything fancy. Yeah. And and even with... Uh, Tur- Sony started that trend with... And with even, like, Turbo Graphics, how you... PSP. That was region-free as well. PSP, yeah. You yeah. could play the PC Engine CD. Yeah. Not not the, the, the cards, but the actual CDs. Yeah. But still, sometimes you have that language barrier. So that's what I think is really cool, that now it's all a win-win situation all the way around. So you mentioned a good point. Sony. So I Sony. Think Sony was was the company that started that whole like region free yeah. thing with the PS3. You know, okay. the, like Blu-ray region. We were on the same Blu-ray region. Then they started selling games for the PS3 from other regions yep. because you can play them now. So Nintendo was like, well, you know, we can make money making all these different Asia region games. Just make them region free. And now you have people like you know us who are buying those. Asia region games because we can play them now. Absolutely. And one thing I did want to say too, like with the Link's Awakening and the Toe Jam and Earl, that's what's going to get me on board. Yeah. Because as an old school gamer, Mm -hmm. that's that's candy. (laughs) Well, and the unique aspect is, and I use it all the time, is that the Switch is, you know, glorified handheld, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But it plays beautifully on a giant screen. And every option is there. But then, like, for example, coming out here, flying on a plane. Bam. I'm playing the console mm-hmm. in my lap, and now I have every game retro that I want to play, and I just load up my favorite games or the ones that we want to play. And There's, like, no negative aspect. I don't know. What's, what's the negative aspects for this? Anybody have a negative aspect to the Switch out in the crowd, even? System storage? System storage? For me, it's, it's lack of folders. Yeah, because, I mean, I bought, what was it, like a 128 mm-hmm. card for mine, and like the first day, and it, I popped it in. I haven't had a, a storage problem at all. I mean, obviously, if you're an online gamer, I would say that's a pretty negative because the Nintendo's notorious for not having standard connectivity and you know very stable internet. But the games that they're doing well, like Smash, I mean, there's rarely any issues. Splatoon two, rarely any issues. Mm-hmm. So I mean. That would be the only thing I could think is a negative, and that's not from a collector standpoint at all. From a collector standpoint, I see this as like the coming of age, back to collecting again and making it fun. Exactly. That's and totally and the thing is, is like the only one that's going to be miserable is going to be JP over here because he wants everything. <laughs> Everybody else, we're all cool. We're just getting what we want. And it's and yeah. it's awesome. I haven't had an issue. Um, anything. But that, going back to what he said, one yeah. thing that Nintendo did do is they standardized memory. At least they use. You know, standard SD micro SD cards, which yeah. is something that Sony didn't do with, with the Vita, Vita. And I believe that's why they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, doing proprietary memory. Nintendo was like, let's not do that. Let's use standard cable, standard USB C, mm-hmm. standard micro SD cards. Make it completely accessible. And I think that's one of the things that really helps with the Switch is just standard memory. Yeah. Uh, region free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the option to play it on your TV if you don't want to play a portable. See, I'm not a huge... Like, I buy all the portables, but I don't spend yeah. a lot of time on them. But with the Switch, I play it docked almost all the time. But with, on the one the one time when I do want to go somewhere and take it with me and I'm playing, like, Blaster Master Zero 2 or whatever, nice. I was like, oh, I want to finish it. Oh, I'll take it with me. I just found out about that one because, the, again, the Speaking eShop is overloaded. Yeah. And, like, I'm like, oh, and is, what, how much is it? Like, it's super cheap. It's $10, dude. It's so good. And Blaster, so Blaster Master Zero was a recreation of the original with a bunch of extra stuff in there, extra More boss fights. Two is a whole new game. That's nuts. Like, what? Like, they were just going down the rabbit hole. And yeah. I loved Blaster Master growing up. So it's like, you literally got Blaster Master now, a new version. They're knocking it out of the park. So let's go over comparisons, old to new, that we can have on the Switch. So Blaster Master, done. Toe Jam and Earl, done. 
What else we got? The Psycho Collections are, are Psycho all collections. retro games. Oh, I was talking with the guy who has a Soul Divide on the Saturn. I'm like, you know, there's it's on the Psycho Collection. Otherwise, I would be buying that right now. Yeah, and I'm like, I got it in my handheld. I already have it. So it's like it's super cool. And that's and an excellent shooter. 30 bucks versus the $100 it'll cost you to buy Soul Divide on the Sega Saturn. Yeah. And I think all of this, too, will help the retro market come down in price a little, yeah. too, because the demand, because yeah. we're all obsessed with getting on the Switch now, so the demand isn't going to be there as much. So the sales is what drives prices. So when less people are buying it, because now I can get Soul Divide. I saw for sixty on the on the in the room here. Yeah, that's right. hundred. It's reflecting with with the Psycho games for sure. Like the yeah. Strikers games have all dropped in Interesting. price. Interesting. Yeah, well, you like, see, you see Atari Classic Collection, right? You have the Sega Atari Genesis Classic. Collection, How many Street games Fighter? are on the Atari Classic? One hundred fifty. Wow. One card. One hundred and fifty. Probably most Atari of the heavy games. hitters. You know, oh, every heavy there. hitter. But from the twenty sixth, what the fifty four hundred? Then they have arcade versions of them. Some multiplayer online you could do. So we mentioned Wonder Boy is a brand new game in that series. What other mm-hmm. new series based on old? school i mean you have bloodstained which bloodstained uh, is is the uh, and the curse of the moon just mm-hmm. got a limited run games released they put it in a classic their box is nes sized in the in the collector's edition and it's konami mm-hmm. silver that's great and it's then great. and yeah. then it comes in a nintendo sleeve that the switch game fits in yep. and like it and that is literally castlevania 3 like a reimagining of castlevania 3 by yeah. By the the creator, Koji, which Igarashi? Is, yeah. Igarashi. you get to switch between it's the characters. So Igavania, yeah, Igavania. It's so fun. Like, but like, it's literally a reimagining, and it's the game that we didn't know we wanted. That was a bonus on their Kickstarter for their main game. Mm-hmm. Their main game is going to be. I, I'm thinking it's going to be more along the lines. Just watching it of Castlevania Dracula X. Chronicles on the PSP, where it's going to be high shine. Hopefully, the controls control like the first Bloodstain, the retro one, and then we're going to be good. So it's not like the PSP version of Dracula X, where it's a little slower. Well, it might be because it's you know it's in 3D, so it, it is those in 3D. beautiful graphics. Like the graphics so, are like amazing. Symphony of the Night. Yeah. So. Again, best of both worlds. Well, Symphony of the Night's highly pixelated, whereas the other Bloodstain is going to be 3D. It's still pretty Lego. compared to, like, the NES, you know? Well, like the cathedrals and just the epic grandeur of it. Yeah, oh, and that's like, the thing. That's the whole background of that whole series, and that's where Ego's known for. So we got that whole reimagining of series, too, that we could jump down the rabbit hole real quick with, too. Um, DuckTales is one, but that's only digital right now. No, the, on the Switch, I don't think we ever got the... Um, the, the remake? We only got it on the Wii U. Saturday. We only got it on the Wii U. Yeah. So that's probably going to come. Hopefully. That's the thing, too, is that a lot of that stuff, I think it's only a matter of time before we see it on the Switch. Well, Konami just announced their collections. They're having a Castlevania collection, digital only, but they're also doing, like, the arcade collection coming out. I mean, everybody's trying to jump back on board now mm-hmm, and bring back mm-hmm. games that either played long ago or even on previous consoles like Wii U all their games that never sold because no one bought a Wii U yeah. are all coming back on the Switch and, and doing selling. better <laughs> and selling so let's jump down the um, so, so we're near the end of the panel let's jump down the book rabbit hole real quick go over the details um, so the the Switch collector how it's going to work because the Switch isn't done so I can't do a complete Switch book nor would I want 10,000 pages that don't end up being at the end so what we're going to do is we're going to break it up by volumes, but like the first year we're going to cover in volume one, but it's going to be two to eight page spreads on each game. So we got all of that already templated out, JP and I. He's doing a JP's Switch Mania collector section where he's going to talk about variants and craziness. I'm going over details. Backers always will have an opportunity to contribute, and if they have a lot to say about a game, they'll get their own page in the actual review. Um, and then we go from there to craziness. So I'm going to go digital games released during that time frame that we want to see. So Blaster Master Zero would be one. Um, one of the ones that I really loved near the end of that year was Blossom Tales. Mm-hmm. Blossom Tales is like Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, but it's a grandfather telling the story to his granddaughter and putting her into the game. And cool so take. she's the hero, but it's literally linked to the past. It's mm-hmm. old school retro style. Like I want that as a as a physical. Oh, yeah. Now, if some of those games get a physical release, that would be awesome, mm-hmm. and it'll still be in that section. And then it'll be in a later volume. Um, now, I want to have it under five hundred pages. 
so that's the key. Like my Just books, getting pages. getting over five hundred pages is it becomes complex shipping everywhere. So under five hundred <laughs> pages. So volume two, two thousand eighteen, as JP knows and as you all have seen, has exploded. That's when all the limited run games and all those companies started. That's when everything snowballed. And there's no way we can have all of 2018 under 500 pages. So it'll be a clean break maybe in the middle of the year or wherever. It'll be a time frame. and It'll stay the time frame. And I don't like doing volumes, but I think we're going to literally be building an encyclopedia of the Switch. How many games came out in that second year, you know? The Switchopedia, basically. It prints money. It's called the Switchopedia. (laughs) Have have a little part there where it can spit money out. (laughs) It prints money. (laughs) Like... I need to put that picture in there. <laughs> it prints yep. money. Like, that would be hilarious. I'm sorry to draw him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that would be classic, but that's where the, that's where we're going to go with this book series. And uh, the goal is to launch it this summer. Um, I want it pretty much written, though, from my perspective, because unlike the Virtual Boy book that started as an April Fool's joke, that wasn't, I didn't start writing that one. That's why I put, like, next year is the release. Because I was like, yeah, I don't know if this will get funded. Let me throw it up. It was funded in an hour. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, you guys are all crazy. You did this to you was my first update. And then I just started adding stretch goals. And then I started promoting it like a day before because I did it for a week. It was 450% funded in a week. I was like, okay. Um, but the main book is switched. That's going to be the concentration. And I think it's going to be pretty amazing. We're going to try to do as much cool stuff. So we mentioned the switch box, right? The little treasure box. We're going to do the little um, wooden book covers that I'm going to do from every release from Hidden Gaming Gems on. If people want them for older books, I'll do them for older books too. It's just a matter of getting the artwork rendered so they can burn it. Um, I do go over them all in in marker if people want me to. I'll literally go over the covers and it all really pops. I do it by hand. Um, We're going to do that. And then there's another person that JP introduced me to, and he makes custom arcades, like those ones that are on the wall in the vendor area where they make the custom arcades. He makes one that will fit a Switch and two of the Joy-Cons on the actual console, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have the art. So the art, I have pictures of it so you can all see it after the panel, is done by a guy named Rusty Shackles. And he's done some work for Hardcore Gaming 101. He's never done a Nintendo piece. And it's literally all the characters from 2017 from the first year, all like around the Switch controllers, like the Joy-Cons, and it looks awesome. And then we have a graphic artist that created the Switch Collector logo. And the whole book is going to look like a Switch box. So the, the front cover is going to have the art with a little top left corner having the Switch Collector logo on it. The spine is going to be red. No misprints. The spine will be red. It'll have the, right, the white text on it. The back, I took the, literally the template of Breath of the Wild and added screenshots from all the games from the year. Cool. I put some cool text on it to, to match like you know about the book and did a little summary about the book. Have the, the little logos from the companies there and just, just making it overall like as much much of a cool collector piece as possible. Um, on top of it, uh, some of you have seen my um, cool uh, slip cases. Some of the sl- cool slip cases that I've done, and we'll do a slip case too, of course, for it. Um, everybody's requesting lenticular. And if anybody doesn't know lenticulars, the old trading cards where it does two animations. Yeah, buddy. So we got to figure that out. Uh, what we want to do for that, I don't know yet, but I think it'll be something cool like a, a switch controller going. There we go. Oh, that'd be like no, no. like part of that, mm-hmm. and and some other stuff with that too. But aesthetic. like, oh, yeah. yeah, some aesthetic for it, and like for the Super Nintendo book that I had, it was literally the artwork that the uh, the artist did, and then went to the pixels of the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. and so that one's now completely sold out, and I have like six left of the hidden gaming gems. So I what I do with those though are limited to the campaign, and then I'll order like three or four extras in case some stuff gets mauled in shipping, mm-hmm. and that's literally it. Um, and then I'll bring those to conventions. I'm like, hey, I got one with me and like with the wooden boxes I ordered like two extra so I have two extras of the wooden box so what I'm gonna do is we're gonna wrap things up uh, real quick because the panel time is over guys it goes so fast yeah, every right. time yeah. um, so you can find me and VGBS Gaming Podcast uh, HagensAlley.com mm-hmm. Hagens Alley is where you find me I'm also on everything all of the things with Hagens Alley or me I'm the only Jeffrey Wittenhagen around that does anything crazy <laughs> Um, and you can find my books there. My bookstores on Shopify. I have everything digitally available on Amazon. I have collectors, some of the collectors' books on Amazon. If you want me to send more to Amazon, I can do that too. Um, but Shopify works real well. 
Um, that's where you find me at. Where can you find you, Saru? Uh, I have a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash Sarumaru, and you can find more information about my video game, FX Unit Yuki, at fxunityuki.com. So he has it on the Turbo, but he also has it on the Mega Drive, Mega Drive. Genesis. He has Dreamcast. that one going. And hopefully Switch in the next year. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're hoping. And, and then for me, if you want to follow me, jpswitchmania.com. If you type in jpswitchmania on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, you'll find me. Uh, if you are a collector and you want to be kept up to date every week, every Sunday, I put out what's coming out with links and then any tidbit information as to whether it's a limited company, how many they're going to have, things like that. Twitter, I'm active on 24-7, yeah. so if there's something new that gets announced, I'm going to post about it. I'll let you know where to find it. Things go on sale. I also like to keep everybody informed, so if you're a physical collector, definitely check me out. And so if you're all interested, and let us know. You can chat with us after the panel. We'll be right in the hallway. Um, I might be able to convince JP we can do a Switch Mania playcast where we actually start playing games coming up for the book while we, we'll play them in depth, talk about them on the cast. He could talk about all the collector crap that he's been finding, <laughs> and all the unboxings and stuff and what he has going on. Yep. And then we can have on other people, too, that want to come on and chat. Maybe developers, maybe, yep. you know, Saru and, like... And if I'm Kyle good. ever buys his his, his actual <laughs> system, switch. he'll be on with us. Yeah. Like we'll um, Kyle is switch fun. Gotta get, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. We'll but but I, I'm thinking though, like keep it simple. Maybe even do it a little bit live stream too on OBS or something where we actually have the videos up of us just chatting because uh, we do everything just audio on VGBS. We want to keep it old school. So thanks everybody for right. coming. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thanks, thanks guys. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later!